What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Surf and Sales podcast. I think we are episode 101, 102, 103, somewhere in that range now. So uh, we've, we've hit the century mark and we're, we're moving on to the next, the next 100. And, and uh, I'm here and joined today uh, with my good friend Richard Harris, as, as always. And we are really excited to talk to James Bodden, who's the host and founder of the Lunch Break podcast, which hopefully everybody's listened to tons of episodes of and is familiar with. It's a really good show that James carries on. And uh, James is also the director of Client Outbound Strategy and Training. He's got like the longest title in sales that I could ever think of uh, at Outbound View. And uh, we're excited to talk to you today, James. Welcome to the show, man. Super excited to be here. And I will gladly, if that's the only like trophy that I take home, for the longest, most convoluted title, I'll take it because I made that shit up. Did you? Let, let's, let's start there because I'm, I'm very curious nowadays like what everybody's title means and the titles, you could have the same title and it means different things at different orgs. I've never heard your specific title. So why don't you tell me and Richard and everybody listening what the heck it is that you do and how you, how you came upon that title. Yeah, so, you know, I joined the team here at Outbound View in February of this year. Uh, I'd known Blake, who's the CEO, for about a year and a half. And we'd kind of been playing that, hey, when the time is right, we'd love to do collaborate when the time is right. And so the time was right. Things lined up. And when I got here, you know, I wasn't going to be an inside sales manager. I wasn't, I didn't have a team of of direct reports that was already being taken care of what they needed my help with was just working with our different clients on outbound strategies how to create messaging how to distill what you think the problem you solve is and distill it down into something that works on the phone and via email so working on that And then we're developing a training platform. And that's something that I've been passionate about for years is sales training. So I kind of forced my way into those conversations when I got here and was like, I want to help and I want to, I want to get involved with that. And so for, I don't know, probably the first 60 days, I didn't, I was just a director here. I didn't have a title because I didn't know really what I was doing. I just came to do all of these different things that were absolutely all things that I like love doing. Um, And so it was kind of funny. I went from having a really basic, just a director title out of like me and Blake saying, well, what, like, what do we call you? I don't know. I just want to, let's just get going. So let's just put director down. And then I started thinking about it four months in now, you know, five months in uh, and these things that I'm doing, the client outbound strategy and the training, those are kind of these two pillars that have kind of formed about where I spend most of my time. And one of my favorite things has always been creating ridiculous titles to go along with my roles. Uh, I was an inside sales manager earlier in my career. We came up with the title chief sales coach, which I thought was fantastically ridiculous. Uh, we called it CSC. It was a it was a big joke, you know. I mean, be, of these inflated titles. Um, and so, given the opportunity, I was like, "Yeah, let's." I'm gonna create this and make it ridiculous. But it 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 really does describe pretty well yeah. what I do on a day to day basis here. So I'm gonna safely assume that 
titles don't mean that much to you and, and because you can, you're, having, you're having fun with them. No, no, they mean no. nothing to me now. They used to mean a lot to me. And then when I had the revelation, I, I started to make fun of it. Do you, the revelation do you think, that it didn't matter for me. So what do you think people should optimize for in the earlier stage of their career? Is, is it, don't worry about the title, worry about the roles and responsibilities? And, and if that's the case, how do you then go about landing your next job when somebody's like, oh, you've never been a director, or never been a VP, and you're like, well, wait a second. I did all those things even though my job title was this fun, you know, moniker, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's important to recognize that titles are important, right? Externally, you're, you're going to have a hard time reaching different levels if you haven't had a certain titles. I, I think that's a great call out. And for me, the way that I've viewed it, um, <clears throat> I was an inside sales manager early on in my inside sales career, called myself a chief sales coach, but I was making 35 grand a year, <laughs> you know? Uh, and then fast forward, uh, five or so years, I got into the B2B sales development world. I'd been in SDR for a couple of years. I wanted to get into management. I was at a company where they had brought me on. I was the only BDR. I was the only one, no direct reports, no nothing. This was at a company called Cognetic. Shout out to Cognetic. They were great. They brought me in. They wanted me to build this outbound they had one at AE. It was a small deal. They just wanted me to kind of get this thing going. Over the course of the time that I was there, it became obvious that this thing was going to run out of steam in about a, a year. I was going to be looking for another job in a year. So around the seven-month mark, I, came, I went to my leadership and I said, look, I want to be a manager. I want to be a manager because when I leave here, I want to be able to go manage because I recognized that that title was important, right? So at that time, I wasn't playing around with the titles. I wasn't being funny with it. I recognized, okay, if I really want to be able to go out into the job market and not have to have these silly conversations, let me use it to my advantage. And I was lucky enough to have a fantastic sales leader who understood the game. She was so on it. She was like, yep, yes, we're changing it tomorrow. And you're going to be a manager. I don't care if you have direct reports. Oddly enough, I ended up having a few direct reports, you know, by the time I left and, and um, in, in kind of different ways, right? But definitely wasn't a traditional manager, uh, but recognized that it was important, got it on there, and, and everybody was bought in and understood that if this thing were to continue on and, and we were going to continue to build it, I would have continued to build a team. But so at that point, I recognized it was important, so I used it to my advantage. Yeah. And so I would say it's really a case by case basis, right? I then went on, joined the sales developers. The title didn't matter there because I knew those guys when, and, and, and have a relationship with Ryan and Rex. And so it ended up not really being a big deal, but I was being very strategic with it. But other times I could give a shit less and call myself something ridiculous like a chief sales coach, right? I mean, so. Well, I have one more question and then I'll, and then I'll let Richard ask fire a few questions off and whatnot. So I know you're super passionate about training. It's in your, um, it's in your job title. I know it's part of the reason you started your, 
your show. Here's my question for you. What do sales leaders get wrong about sales training in their organization? Sales training is such a, it's such a funny thing in our profession because we love to compare salespeople and the profession of sales to sports all the time. But I've rarely come across a team that had training down. And what, when, I, when I think about a team that has it down, it's just a system where it's a regular system of training. It's internal training. Maybe sometimes you're bringing in external people, but it's, it's kind of woven into the fabric of how you operate. Like we're just always training. We're always leveling up. Like it's not a once a quarter thing. It's not, uh, oh, we're going to pay some guy 30 grand to come speak from the stage and get us all fired up. And then five days later, we're all right back to the same stuff we were doing before. You know, so I think there are big misses. We all know the big misses by now, right? Where you, those one-off sales trainings, we know those aren't effective. Those one-off internal trainings that you think are going to be a regular thing and then slowly start to fall off the calendar, those aren't effective, right? It's got to start from the top and it's just you know being creative about the ways that you engage with your team about it it does it's not the same training every time it's not we're going to listen to cold calls every two days no it's sometimes we're going to listen to cold calls but if you guys are saying that you're having trouble with discovery calls let's do a session on that it's just understanding being connected with your team and weaving it into kind of the day-to-day -day and, and and it's just a part of what you do it's a so, part of who you are so going forward on that so you're a manager of a team, let's, let's, you know, we'll sort of, we'll, we'll sort of make it the standard, right? Eight to 12 reps, you know, you're an inside sales team, SaaS or not SaaS. How often are you training on specific things like, you know, discovery versus cold calling? Is it weekly? Is it daily? How do you, how do you view sort of, Hey, it's the Monday morning standup, you know, what are we going to do this week? Like, how do you just sort of advise people to do that? as best you've seen it work? Yeah, I think it starts with looking at the people on the team, right? I mean, who, who, who are you managing? Are you managing a team of seasoned sales guys that are going to show up and they just know what to do and she's well, going to come let's, let's every day ready like to... Everywhere else. Let's assume it's like you got a little bit of both, right? You got a team yeah, of 10, yeah. two or three are, you know, are in the middle, two or three are veterans and two or three are newbies. What do you yep. do? Yep. So I think in that case, uh, I'm a fan of, of the daily standup. I am a fan of that in the morning, everybody aligning, especially right now, if you're remote, I think it's very helpful. I, we're, we're a completely distributed team here at Outbound View. So that morning standup really gives us an opportunity to just kind of hear, all right, this is whatever on everybody's mind. So what's um, in your standup? So let's, let's, let's dig even deeper, right? Like give us an example every morning. This is our standup. We talk about this from a training perspective. We talk about that from a life perspective. Like I think people are looking for some tactics. Absolutely. Let's get tactical and practical. Right? So <laughs> I think we, we run our standups. It's very quick. It's, Hey, these are the things that I'm working on today. Uh, today these are maybe some areas where I need Blake's help to get something done or 
I need Luke's input from the phones on what's what, you know, you're, you're kind of calling on your teammates on this is how I'm going to involve you and in my priorities today. Um, so that's how we run it. We have a small team, right? But if we go back to the scenario that, that we were uh, talking about where you've got that larger team, it's a mixed bag of veterans and new people. I think a great standup is you're going over priorities, right? You are encouraging people to bring up areas where like, hey, this is something that I'm going to work on today. I've got this pitch that I want to shorten, right? So you want to include uh, what their priorities are activity-wise. Then include something that they want to work on. And then if you, I, I think that really would do it for a, a team that size. Just keep it real short and sweet. The best ones are where you can just kind of go around. Everybody's like, yep, I'm calling on these people today and I'm going to try and shorten my pitch for XYZ company Got next. It. Right. Got it. And that's it. For so the leadership. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing during that from a training coaching perspective? So that's an opportunity for you to just kind of, all right, cool. Everybody's head's in the right spot. Right. If, if, because hopefully you, you have a running pulse of what, each member on your team is kind of going through personally and, you know, uh, professionally what they've been struggling with, what you know they need to be working on. Like you just had a conversation with them yesterday about working on that close. And if they don't bring it up in the morning, stand up as the thing that they're going to be working on today, then that's a, court, a small course correction that you can identify, right? So for the, for the leader, it's shutting up. You're just listening to everybody and just make it, you know, seeing where everybody's head is at. Uh, and then if you need to afterwards, maybe making some course corrections based on what people have said. How often do you train in general terms? Like how often do you have sort of the classroom training versus coaching, you know, in, in a standard way? Yep. So you have the daily standups, right? That's short, quick to the point. That's really just an observation. You're not really doing any training. I'm a big fan of once a week, you get everybody together collectively and you listen to calls. You do something where you're listening or you're looking at activities that are happening now. What's, what are we saying yesterday that was working? What are we saying yesterday that got us hung up on, right? We're gonna pull up those calls. We're gonna listen to them as a group. And it's just an opportunity for everybody to get together. Uh, I like to, use those as vent sessions as well, right? Where we can just kind of, uh, like, yes, let's, let's, let, let, let's not just listen to the good ones. Let's pull out a few of the ones that were brutal, right? And, and you frame it in a way where like we're venting here, right? But that also allows you to bring in some of those ones that may be brutal where you can need to provide some coaching and do it in a way where everybody feels safe. I mean, I think that's, the crappiest part about like listening to calls and doing those kinds of trainings is when they're really rigid and everybody's quiet and they hit, you can hear the mouse click play. And it's just like, you have to listen to somebody's cold call. It's, ah, uh, it's so bad. But if you, from the very beginning say, Hey, we're going to, this is a vent session for us to listen to calls. You get to say all the things that grind your gears about, you know, having to make a hundred calls a day right? And listen to all these people. They're going to be funny ones, right? And as a leader, you can maybe pull out some ones that you know will kind of lighten the mood, right? 
funny things, pull up ones that you've done that you've messed up on. That's one of my favorite things to do. Like, listen to this one. Listen to me completely lose this guy. Rag on me a little bit, right? So, I mean, it's that, it's that kind of atmosphere. It allows for constructive uh, criticism. So I like those once a week. I think that's a good thing that you can do uh, in lieu of another sort of collective team meeting where you bring everybody together to like go over things at a high level, right? I think there's a lot of those meetings. Like, let's just have a meeting to talk about the state of the sales team. Mm, no, let's cut that out because you can get that communicated on what's happening in one-to-ones throughout the week. You can communicate what's happening at a high level one-to-one and then save the group stuff for training that's going to be fun and interactive. Um, I think that's a way to kind of manage what can quickly become like, okay, I've got a stand-up, I've got a weekly call, I've got this train, you know, because I think that's what people run into. I want to, I want to ask you about the outbound strategy a little bit. Um, specifically, there were strategies that were working at the end of 2019 and the first month or two of 2020. And then everything went to hell in a handbasket and strategies changed. And now it feels like the strategy is changing once again with all the social justice movement going on and maybe just pandemic fatigue and some states opening up and trying to go back to normal. How are you, how are you pivoting so often in terms of the messaging and the strategy or are you pivoting that often? Maybe that's a better question. Um, because it feels yeah. like, it feels, it feels to me a little bit like chasing the fucking dragon, like, good Lord, you know, I, there's a landmine out there. How do I get the right outbound message to get in, in front of my prospect, get their attention and try to help them? Um, so I'm mm -hmm. curious how you've been thinking about all that and what you've come up with. Yeah. I mean, look, what this year has taught me is that I better get really clear on some foundational things that always work as opposed to trying to chase my tail and, and, and constantly try and pivot. And where I think a lot of people get caught up and why they feel like they need to pivot is because their messaging, like specifically email messaging, has a lot of unneeded crap in it like just in general just a lot of extra sentences that don't need to be there <laughs> right i mean um in most cases were they there before before the pandemic yes, and i so, was and i was absolutely and i was writing them okay you know so what I mean, was so I was what like, was that what was so that and me, now what are you doing it was it was the approach of a year and a half ago for me it was the approach of really super personalized so you go to linkedin and you find out that so-and-so has gone to the university of texas and you say something about the university of texas in an email and that whole thing quickly found out that wasn't for me that wasn't something that i found to be valuable enough to spend my time doing that kind of evolved into the personalization which is something that I'm a big fan of, right? Really understanding the persona. So if you're going after CMOs, 
listen to podcasts where they interview CMOs, you know, just learn about what their job is like, understand the persona and customize your messaging to that. But even inside of that, it was, hey, <laughs> you know, came across your profile on LinkedIn or, hey, heard you on this podcast and I thought it was interesting that you said blah, blah, blah. Right. Things that I thought and uh, actually worked to convert people to remaining interested in engaging with me. Right. What I've found since everything's happened this year with the pandemic and then just, you know, the social injustice and just thing after thing, it's what's working for us are, are three sentences. It's completely focused on the person we're reaching out to. So it's teams like yours are facing this problem, very specific problem. It's time sensitive. You call out, the longer you wait to solve this problem, the worse it's gonna get for this part of your business. And then at the end, it's a very strong call to action. Do you have X amount of minutes? Do you, are you interested in learning more? However you wanna position the CTA, and we do it different ways based on where we're at and the sequences, but I mean, that's converting and has been converting for us across a lot of different industries. It's just a very direct three sentence approach that conveys the reason that you're reaching out. You're not trying to seem like you, I mean, if you're a logistics company, does anybody want to hear your opinion about the things going on at this point? Probably not. You're better off saying, hey, this is how I can provide value. It's all about you and keep it short and sweet. That's what I'm seeing that's working uh, today. Is it is the other stuff not working or this is just working better? I think the other stuff is is you're you're gonna continue if you choose to go that route, that's fine, but you're gonna continue to have to pivot, right? Because that extra stuff that's included invites it like invites itself to being you're just gonna have to like, hey, hope you're doing well, hope you're staying safe crazy times we're living in, you know, like those kinds of phrases, like, do you need to include that in your messaging? No, yeah. no you don't. Yeah. And then, you know, when you get on a call after you've sent an email, then of course, don't be tone deaf and a jerk, right? Like be a human. But as far as getting the attention of somebody, you know, I think this is, this is the logical way to go about it, right? I mean, everybody's way busy. There's a lot, everybody's really stressed out about a lot of stuff. And so I'd rather read an email that's gonna tell me exactly what's going on than have to decipher through flowery language like what they're trying to get at. I think that's why it's converting. So let's let's shift a little bit. Let's let's talk a little bit about the social injustice, right? Because that's certainly affected us different than COVID. Um, and I definitely I want to be mindful that we're not, well, how do you sell through a social injustice? Well, like, that's not the point of the conversation. I think that would be terribly tone deaf. Um, how are you, how are you handling that? How's your team handling it? What are you guys doing to, to, to navigate through this just on any level, whether it's business or personal? Yeah. You know, for me, starting on the personal side, which is, I think, the most important side right now, just overall, and we're seeing that. Um, it, it's, it's, 
I mean, I have had trouble engaging on social media. I'm a really regular poster on LinkedIn and have a really good cadence on there. That's just not been happening. Um, you know, these last few weeks have just been filled and it's been great. It's been filled with a lot of offline activity, right? A lot of offline conversations with lifelong friends uh, about, you know, things that I was there with them when they went through, things that I wasn't aware that they've gone through. Um, you know, you know, I grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, I, I always went to schools for whatever reason that were just very well integrated. My first black, uh, best friend was black, Jermaine Williams. What's up, man? Shout out. He's still around here in Raleigh. I saw him a couple of years ago. Um, you know, it was just, but it, it wasn't a conscious thing for me in third grade. It was just kind of the way I grew up um, and played sports and uh, made music and, you know, uh, just really so many of my close friends happen to be black and, and I've seen things happen to them uh, at a young age where we had interactions with cops um, and, you know, just to be really candid, because uh, I feel like that's the only way to keep it on, <laughs> on this, this show here. But, you know, I was 18 years old, had an interaction with seven police officers uh, with a few of my black friends. Um, I was the one in that particular situation that had broken the law and needed and was going to end up getting a ticket like it was it was going to be on me um, and saw how the cops came to me and tried to convince me to blame it on my friends, like pulled me to the side, you know, it, so I've had kind of personal experiences with some of it. So it's, it's, for me, it's been a lot of conversations about, okay, um, I've been aware of it. I haven't been vocal enough about it. I haven't been active enough about it to, to, to use my own inherent kind of privilege as a white dude in America, <laughs> you know, just, born into this kind of level of like shit's going to be you know different for me as opposed to my friend Jermaine right um haven't used it and so a lot of conversations just about okay well this is where I'm at now in my life uh how can I use my resources and what I have at my disposal to shine a spotlight on you know, my black friends, businesses and, and, and their endeavors and uh, things that are passionate, uh, you know, that they're passionate about. So for me, it's been a really big mix of just stress, anxiety, when you see the things happening on the news. I mean, kind of whichever way you fall on it, if you're a, a human, it hurts, right? I, I'm not really interested in like, what side you fall on it. I mean, you have to, if, if we're, on, if we're on the human side, seeing all of this just raises that, that anxiety level. And so I think it's been that mixed with a lot of really great conversations and kind of a re-ignition of, you know, what I've always known to be true, that we're all absolutely cut from the same cloth as humans. Right. And, and, and it's, it's, um, great to see that some people in the sales community, uh, you know, pre present company included, have 
talked about these things and not shied away from it and stepped away from the spotlight and, and, and put, uh, you know, the people that need to be heard right now in that spotlight. I mean, that as makes me happy and, and, and I'm committed to making sure that it continues. Um, and so it won't be easy. I think there's going to continue to be more and more weeks with lots of difficult conversations and lots of different feelings. So on the personal side, that's kind of how I've been yeah. dealing with it. Um, no. It's, it's very real to me, you know, let's, let's shift it for a second to the professional side, because I think I have been feeling similarly to you in a lot of areas. Like I, I, I made one post and I didn't, didn't kind of, I didn't go into some sort of rant or spiel. I just talked about things that I'm doing. Um, and I've only made one post on LinkedIn, I think since then. And it was a little story leading into a bunch of events. Some of those events in, in, in my, is my attempt to kind of amp having trouble professionally in a way like summoning the motivation to go back to business as usual. Like I'm not in the fucking mood to talk about optimizing my email subject line for a 0.01% return, right? Or whatever other cold calling tips, tactics are out there. But I'm not impractical either. Like we all have jobs to do still and we all have to dig deep and summon energy and motivation to continue to perform and execute. So what, what are some of the ways, and maybe you don't have a way yet because you haven't, haven't figured it out. I haven't fully figured it out yet, to be perfectly candid. Um, yeah. where, where are we summoning this motivation to still excel in the role that we're in with everything going on? And, and it, there's gonna be more going on. I mean, at, at this rate, like, we're gonna have an alien invasion in August and, you know, Every, every, every volcano is going to erupt in September on planet Earth. Like, God knows what's going to happen, right? Yeah, no, I mean, for me, so I think there's different aspects of the professional side. So when I think about, like, the LinkedIn side, the, the personal branding, that stuff, I haven't figured that out. I don't, I don't know, right? I, for me, I'm just kind of putting that on a shelf and saying, whenever I feel like I have something that feels right, I'll get around to it the business side, like what I need to do in my role here at Outbound View. I mean, I've gone into super focused mode because it's like, this is all of this stuff is happening, right? I have things that I want to do to be able to help. I want to be able to donate monetarily. I want to be able to have time to go, you know, see people that I want to see uh, visit with people that I want to visit and, 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 you know, dedicate time to causes that I want to dedicate my time to. So what that requires is that I continue to execute at a high level at my job that pays my bills so that I can continue. I mean, it's got to keep going. Right. I mean, and to me, that motivation comes from, well, the last thing that I'm going to do is let this type of injustice that's very personal and real to me and with friends and people that I've known for a long time, this very important stuff that's happening in our country, I'm going to use it as fuel to, to, to get even better at what I'm doing. I need to be even better 
at what I'm doing because what I'm doing provides me a platform. It provides me a way to, you know, uh, continue to do the things that I need to do. If I were to stop and just, uh, you know, and just succumb, which is, you know, I'm speaking from a very different place than a lot than, than black people. Right. I mean, let's just be very honest. Like the, my story is, is, you know, to the side on this, but just from my, my perspective, if I were to just stop, then, then how can I help? I can't help anybody if I, if, if I'm not excellent and demanding excellence out of myself. So I've been using it as like, oh, I'm going to work longer. I've been working you know, I've been doubling down. I've been trying to just like really get after it, right? To get things done quicker so I can get to these different, you know, goals I have faster to be able to do more. Um, so I think on, on, the, on the business side, the, the job you have to do today, I think you can get into a mindset of like, look, if I have to make cold calls and I got to talk about this and this is my goal, then I'm going to do it so well that it's undeniable that I'm, you know, the right person to get that promotion so I can go on and do more. I mean, you know, it's just that mindset, I think, because anything other than that, then, you know, how do we progress? How do we keep going? So. Yeah. I love the analogy about how kind of failing to perform in our actual current role actually limits and robs us of the ability to be more helpful whether that's with whether that's monetarily or you know a platform to reach others and and what have you Mm -hmm. so i think that's i think that's a really good a really good call out you know right there yeah and it's the long game too right because if you're really if you're really committed to making change it's i want to be able to like in 10 years i want to be able to be in a position where I'm dedicating much more of my time. Right. And, but in order to get there, I've got to really get after it right now. So I think that's the, absolutely the changing, changing gears a little bit. I mean, one of the ways that you've quote unquote gotten after it um, and, and, and did this way before we started is, is your podcast. Um, it's a little bit unique to me at least in, in that a it's in the middle of the day right? You're always recording it at lunch and the name says all that. But, but also, um, you know, it's, this is not like your business necessarily, your main business. It's not even an offshoot of, it's not like the Outbound View podcast. Like this is, this is you and your thing. Um, and I'm curious why you started it and kind of what your goal is with it. Um, and, and, and what your what you've learned from the experience that you might pass on to others who are thinking about doing similar things. Yeah. So quite simply, I started it when I was at Cognetic because I had started to build a personal brand on LinkedIn, post content, videos, post all those things. But I was having trouble being consistent and coming up with stuff to talk about (laughs) the, the, struggle that lots of us have right so in an effort to think of okay what's a way that I can kind of always make sure that I'm producing content that I can put out I said a podcast would be great I can interview other people on the podcast that'll ensure that I show up and do it I'm not going to not show up if I've invited somebody else so that was a way to trick myself into doing it 
Um, I called it the lunch break podcast because I wanted everybody at my work to know that I wasn't doing it while I was supposed to be working. I typically, <laughs> that's, that's I mean, straight up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was like, good. once this gets out, I don't want any questions about when this is happening, right? Uh, so that was it, right? And so I started it and I, um, Seth Weinstock from Connect and Sell was my first guest and he was like, yeah, I'll do it. And I didn't know a clue about what I was doing. Um, but over the last two years, you know, we've done 80 episodes. So because it is something that I do completely by myself and it's on the side, I'll, I'll kind of run in cycles. So I'll record a bunch of episodes and then for about two months and then I'll stop recording new episodes and just promote and put out what I've recorded and then kind of pick it back up. So that's been a cadence that's been, you know, it's allowed me to kind of keep my day job and all those things that I have to do. Um, and it's been fantastic. I've, I've, you know, had a lot of frontline people first time on the, uh, on, on a podcast. That's my favorite when they tell me like afterwards, Oh, this was my first time on a podcast. This was so cool. It's like, fantastic. Go do 18 more. Cause you were great. And I would have never known that it was your first one to give people that platforms. Fantastic. And now what's really kind of crazy is in the last six months, it's, it's turned into um, like a media group thing where I'm now, I've passed on uh, hosting duties to Ashad Mason, who is now the co-host of the Lunch Break podcast. Uh, he's been on the podcast twice. Um, him and I have just formed a great relationship. He's a young kid. Um, he's in his mid-20s. He's kind of got a more of a business lens on things. So it'll expand kind of the, the reach of the podcast and, and the types of people that we bring on. So not just salespeople. So that's cool. And then you be warned uh, that running a podcast with a co-host is a bit of a nightmare. You should just, you should. Oh, <laughs> you can't. Oh, I hope untrue. people are watching this episode because Richard's face just melted. <laughs> so untrue. Let's, you know, it's taken Scott 102 episodes to finally sort of jab me as much as I've jabbed him. He finally got one. Yeah, I'm finally learning how to punch back. That's right. Exactly. Good job. <laughs> well done. Um, Here's your protein, millennial. <laughs> so yeah, no, I mean it. So that's a fantastic kind of evolution. So the next, um, and you know, my thought is that he'll probably just kind of take over on many episodes and just be the only host. Um, and I'll just produce it in the background. I've started producing a few podcasts. So produced one with Ryan Reisert. I produced one with a gentleman named Brian Whittington and his business. Um, starting another one here um, in a couple of weeks. So it's kind of turned into this during the pandemic, everybody started a podcast and, you know, like people just knew that I was doing my own. Right. And it's just kind of snowballed into this thing. Um, and now, you know, I think I'm probably as we speak right at the beginning of it becoming something real that uh, will continue to evolve in, in different ways, you know, maybe as a platform even um, for more people to just be able to start a podcast. I don't know, but it's been a heck of a ride and a whole ton of fun. Cool. Well, we gotta, we gotta start to wrap this up. So, you know, our, our favorite way to end it is to, is to ask, how can we help James? Right. So obviously we we certainly want to plug uh, your podcast. So happy to have you, People go listen to that. 
but what else can we do to help you? Something you're, you're passionate about, caring about, anything? Yeah, I mean, uh, I would just as a recommendation, just a PSA, super stressful time right now. Meditating is a fantastic idea, five minutes a day. That would, that, it helps. It'll help you just kind of level out and, and throughout the day not feel so red in the face. Like if I miss a day of or too many days in a row. For two years. So I just, I, I, All right, well, I, I, that's I, my formal, I mean, I'm telling it to you, Scott, that yeah. just two minutes, one minute, yeah. 30 seconds, right? Um, and I know you got a whole hell of a lot going on. You need to 30 seconds, dude. You got 30 seconds for everything you do in a day, dude. Come on. <laughs> um, so, you know, super passionate about that. Like if everybody were to follow that advice, that would make me super happy. Um, a website that I would love to point people towards just kind of in relation to everything we've been talking about with uh, just race relations in America and how we can use our inherent kind of position uh, in society to help, I would say uh, direct people towards actdontwatch.com. Um, Mike Morgan on LinkedIn, he's somebody that's in my area here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, it's basically just an initiative that he has to get more people of color involved in sales, right? Um, we know how great this profession can be. Uh, he's got a great book that he's kind of written on some basics about how to get into sales. Um, and would love to spread that word to anybody uh, that has a, a, a way into young people, right, that, that, that need to learn about how fantastic this profession is. I think that's one thing that we can all kind of use, like, and maybe marry, like, how, how can we help as, like, white sales leaders? How can we help? We can, we can, amplify the voice of, of letting more people know about how to get involved in this profession. What was Sorry. the name of that? What was the name of that website again? Yeah, it's actdontwatch.com. Cool. Well, definitely everybody, please go check that out. If, if you haven't done learn, you know, you probably learned 20 things on this episode with James. Um, but particularly, I think that one's a really important one. James, thanks so much for coming on, man. It's, it's a pleasure to get to know you a little bit more and, and, you know, meet the guy behind the podcast, right? And apparently you are just as passionate in real life as you are uh, on your podcast. So we, we love it and we appreciate the enthusiasm of just how you talk about any topic you're, you're passionate about. And, uh, and, and, and don't forget, James, that your boss, Blake, is on the record saying that you are headed to surf and sales five when whenever we're able to hold this so we are uh, we're excited yeah. to spend some time with you uh whenever we get the chance on there so i can't wait i can't wait yeah i screenshotted the text that i got yeah. from him so i've got i've got proof good man we've got it that's a contract right there <laughs> that's, that's a verbal <laughs> tell, him what you, right. tell him to give us his credit card number <laughs> So. All right, James. Appreciate All right, James, man. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.